today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, we've given you some time to think about it, some time to stew on it, some time to see it for yourself. We have Black Panther feedback now from you, what you're saying. We got to get the crew together. Let's talk about this. All that and more of the Zab we have no control over. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. My name is Matthew Carroll. And I'm Jeff Randall. Jeffrey Beauregard Randall. What's happening, buddy? Beauregard is absolutely my middle name now. <laughs> it has been for a while. Like, for some reason, I always go to it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta more. call my mom and tell her Scott is no more. Wait, your middle name's Scott? Yeah. Have we discussed this before? Probably. My middle name's Scott. That's weird. I did not know that. I don't know if we've just never discussed it. I've called you Beauregard a bunch of times, and you've never come out with your actual name as Scott, because I would have remembered this. I don't remember you ever calling me Beauregard. I've definitely called you Beauregard a few times. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why. It fits, it fits well with Jeffrey Randall. <laughs> I think it's the steampunk douchebag uh, Maybe. moniker. Maybe. I think that's the, it's because of the Beauregard. It fits with that. <laughs> it, I guess. I guess. I, I, I just, I do, I do like it, though. <laughs> but yeah no that's crazy we have the same middle name how did we not know that as many conversations as we've had i mean how did we not know Eight we had the same years middle name? of talking to each other we <laughs> we've not come to that realization we've not showed the slightest bit of interest in one another <laughs> <laughs> i actually care nothing for you <laughs> Let's talk about Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> to hell with small talk. <laughs> we have one thing in common. <laughs> you know, we often joke about how, like, part of being a podcast is you're sort of performing a friendship. Not to say it's not genuine, but you're like, you are performing your friendship for other people. You're yeah. making jokes, you're doing you're hanging out in front of other people so they feel like they're part of the, the the hang. That's what podcasting is in many forms. We've also talked about how like we need to get to the subject quickly. Like we need to get to the topic fast. We don't need to spend too much time bullshitting. I yeah. just realized the reason our podcasts are good is me and you don't care to talk to one another. <laughs> <laughs> About, you know, our lives and such. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've literally never gone off on tangents about our own lives. Ever. No, never. Never. We don't do that stuff. You probably don't know that I'm packing to move right now. You're moving? <laughs> Where do you live again? <laughs> so you say that, but I literally asked you that right before. Like, what part of town is that? <laughs> like, literally right before we started recording. I was like, he's staying with our friend Gary right now. And I literally asked that question. And then you asked it as if you were mocking me, but I literally just asked you that question. <laughs> yeah. But like, I was at your house last night. That's true. That is true. Like, we went to the Mac and Cheese Festival together. Yeah, we and did. Took shots of Mac and Cheese, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which was so good. It was so good. Uh, yeah, it, it was pretty neat. A Mac and Cheese Festival, everyone. You can't, you can't beat that. If ever there were a, a better thing uh, for your mental state in life, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah i was telling you before we went i was like yeah, i don't know man i'm kind of down i don't know if i'm in the mood for a mac and cheese festival and basically we ended up talking about it and i was like maybe exactly what i need is a mac and cheese festival yeah <laughs> <laughs> and you'll never know until you try it that's right and find out that's right it cures all ills call it a mac and cheese test Mm-hmm. not a fest okay 
So now we've just gone too far the other way. Just talking yeah. about our lives, our real lives. Uh, let's talk God, about some Marvel. It's weird, right? It, it feels yeah. weird. Mm, it feels icky. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about Black Panther feedback. We got a lot of feedback from folks. So let's dive right in. All right. First up, one of our patrons, Alyssa Jane Haynes, says, Wakanda Forever was so well done, but man, my heart is tired. I simultaneously feel so drained and so fulfilled. I know I'll need a rewatch, or ten, to completely appreciate the full depth of the storytelling and character development. Until then, I'll just be grateful to Ryan Coogler and every member of that astonishing cast for allowing me to experience such a compelling human story. Mm. I fully rubber stamp that with approval, uh, Alyssa. <laughs> so good so good hefty I, words. I agree yeah yeah hefty words and i agree with every single one of them um yeah i i agree and the big thing that stands out is her ending there on human story i think that that was why this movie worked so well and we talked about it a little bit but like there's just there's just not that much marvel spectacle it's really is really focused in on you know shuri's story specifically and really the entire uh Kingdom of Wakanda story. I, I really love what they did with this movie. Um, and yeah. we've talked about it a ton about how you could like the different kind of Marvel stories. We're hoping they start telling and hoping they expand their palette a bit. I think it's the only way to go from end game to like, it just, it just expanded to different kinds of stories. And like, this is, I've never seen them do something like this. The closest thing I think we have, and it's nowhere near the heights of this. I think this is better uh, is something like Iron Man three. That really is about his mental state. Yeah, but like, and, and and it is sort of a quiet, less spectacular, but it still ends with a big CGI robot fight, you know? Yeah, quite literally a bunch of robots. Yeah. Uh, and then they're all exploding. Um, I was going to equate it to Spider-Man Far From Home, the, the second one, right after Endgame. That's true, especially with all those scenes of Peter really being like self-doubting and all the mysterious stuff. And, it's hmm. the grief. It's how, it, you know, with, with Far From Home, it was how Peter dealt with his grief over Tony and him having to deal with that alone, but not alone. You know, like he was the right. only one that was really feeling it out of the people that he was with. So it's like he kind of had to to figure out how to deal with it on a personal level and then you know, be the hero for everybody around him. Right. But this one felt more like everybody in the film was dealing with that grief, that, that same shared grief. And some people were dealing with it in different ways. And, you know, some people were dealing with it in healthier ways than others. Um, some people were ignoring it for mm. a good long while. But, like, it's still about all of the different ways that, that everyone is processing grief. Yeah, I think I think that's definitely true, and I, that's a good comparison. I, I think just dealing—it's interesting, you know. We, we, we've talked a lot about the different kinds of stories Marvel tells, and those three. This one, well, this one is strange because it's a response to a real life event, which is something we've never seen before. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like um, uh, Iron Man three is a response to you know post traumatic stress disorder caused by you know the Avengers fight in, in Avengers one. And then you've got the other one where Tony dies and Peter has to deal with that. And that's, it's interesting that you have these movies that are very much based on grief. Um, I'm wondering if we'll see guardians of the galaxy three in a similar light, because it's going to be uh, star Lord really for the first time having a chance for us to really actually, I take that back. 
the Christmas special might be that that thing because that that seems like what that's really focused in on is is the story of Peter Quill trying to deal with the loss of Gamora <laughs> and then them going to find Kevin Bacon <laughs> to find Kevin Bacon. <laughs> when does that come out again? That's November twenty fifth. Oh gosh, is it really? Oh my goodness. Yeah, you're right. I forgot it was November. I keep thinking it's December because it's Christmassy. But you're right. Yeah. I think it's right. It's, it's a. It sounds like it should be December twenty fifth because Christmas. Right, but they're going to do it on a Thanksgiving weekend, which makes a lot of sense too. Everybody home wanting to watch something like that together. Well, here's the here's the crap part: is that day, the twenty fifth. That's when I get on the flight to go to California. Oh, really? Yeah. The My flight leaves at 7 a.m. Okay, so we'll stay up till 2 a.m. We'll podcast and then send you on your way. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to have to not pack my microphone. Yeah, until like, the very end. And connect it to like my laptop or something. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you got a USB one around there. Just do laptop, plug right in. Yeah. Pack it up, slam it closed, fly to California. <laughs> I gotta go! My flight's leaving without me! <laughs> <laughs> but I had to talk about Kevin Bacon. <laughs> you had to. You had to. Now we'll yep. figure we'll figure it out. I'm sure we'll figure something out. But uh but yeah, I'm I it, that's crazy that it's just like in a few weeks. Whew. Eleven days from now. Man. Yeah. Uh let's see. Next up we got Andre Sparks, another patron, says, Hey Ashley, Matt, and Jeff, why is she first? Why is she first? She's always first. She's oh, the Supreme Leader. She's the Supreme Leader. She's alphabetically first. No, no, yeah, um, you're right. You're right. He did it alphabetically. Yeah. Don't pay attention that your name's last. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. Why am I last? It's, it's because I'm not around as much. That's why. <laughs> I've been packing. Anyway, Andre says, Hey, Ashley, Matt, and Jeff, it was so great to see you on Twitch for the f- for the few minutes I could see live. Uh, glad you were all well and back. I shared all thoughts on Stranded Panda Chat, so I'll break this feedback into two parts. First of all, excellent movie. I think the actors all did an amazing job. I think Oscars nominations better happen for this cast. M'Baku being the wise man was definitely a surprise. Glad he gets to be king. I love the visuals of the city, Talukan. Uh It was smart to change Namor's story a little bit, but he's still a mutant. Thumbs up emoji. Okoye versus Atuma was definitely the best fight of the movie for me. Like, I really thought she was about to die. When she got hit by Atuma, I yelled out, Damn! My daughter was like, Oh, daddy! <laughs> Face palm emoji. <laughs> Riri was great. She had smarts and spunk. One of my favorite lines of the movie when the government agents came in Oh shit, she got an Iron Man suit in full terror. <laughs> LOL. What were some of your favorite lines from the movie? Keep up the great work, Andre. Oh man, that's a hard question. That's a really hard question because I've only seen it once. And so like I have these like general idea of what happened, but actual lines is hard to nail down for me. One of the things that keeps sticking in my head after that after watching that movie the one time that I watched it. Stop bragging about your better memory. Yeah. Uh, I gotta flex on you somehow, right? <laughs> I haven't been going to the gym for like physical flexing. <laughs> more than me, more than me. <laughs> one of the one of the lines uh, that that has just kind of been stuck in there has been uh, the one from Riri where she says, "Oh, to be young, black, and talented." Or sorry, "Oh, to be oh, to be young, black, and gifted." Mm-hmm. Oh, but I guess you guys don't really deal with that in Wakanda. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and it, like that one, that line has like the ghost of uh, the ghost of Killmonger past in it. You know, mm. yeah. In the totally. like, you know, the the people outside of Wakanda, the sorry, the the black people outside of Wakanda have to deal with racism at every turn and right uh and you know all of the the crap that they have to deal with and it's like specifically like especially the african-american experience versus the wakandan experience <laughs> right yeah 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 um, so yeah. like that those two experiences like kind of counterposed or juxtaposed, juxtaposed against each other um i don't know what countered on anyway that's gonna let it roll against each- sounds like a word most people won't question it yeah <laughs> And those that do are assholes. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> so those two those two experiences just kind of compared to each other immediately right there. You know, it it smacks of Killmonger, but the way that she deals with it is to just be better rather than like uh, you know, taking over a country and trying to use its weapons to go, you know, Right. take over the world or whatever sure yeah yeah. it's still there's a little bit of difference in that you know killmonger was raised from a, like birth to believe he had this birthright too though <laughs> they're like he was raised Fair. to believe that wakanda was the way the way the world worked and that exists and then he just never got to see it there's a lot more complexity going on there but it's still really interesting to see the difference in those two experiences with riri i gotta say i I don't want to be over, uh, I don't want to get it, be a downer. I really don't. Uh I love this movie, but, but the one thing that I, why some, somebody please disagree with me. Tell me right in, tell me what you, why you think I'm wrong. Cause I'm happy to be wrong, but, and even what you're saying about being juxtaposed against the Wakandans, I like it, but I feel like Riri was kind of shoved into this movie. Upon like okay. reflection, for one thing, like at the end of the, for even at the end of the movie when she says you can't keep that suit, I thought she was going to turn around and go because I made you this one or something. You know, like I thought it was going to be like, oh, there's the Ironheart suit. But it even like okay, let's introduce Riri, have her go through this Wakanda experience, have her build a suit, have her do all this stuff, set up the character, but then let's take her back to one. You know, it was sort of like, let's take the suit away, let's send her back to MIT, and it sort of feels like Riri was shoved into this movie Uh, as an like both they they used her as the MacGuffin, which was a clever way to do it, so she fits the narrative well. It's not like she just shows up. So I'm not saying it was poorly done, but I do kind of think it suffers because I think they could have focused in more on the story of Namor. And uh, the Wakandans and Tolokans and the Wakandans. And instead, they spend a good chunk of the movie on Riri. And then they sort of take away all of the sort of like advancement that Riri has. And we I don't even feel like I really got to know Riri except for she's fun. She's spunky. Um, she gives a one-liner here and there. And so far, thinking about this movie all weekend, that is my one criticism of the movie. Mm. Mm. I, I I can't really counter the 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 Riri was shoved in there argument because it could have been any scientist that uh, that developed the the tech to detect vibra- vibranium. Yeah, exactly. And it kind of feels like 
I don't know. Th this is reductive, and in a way, I like that Coogler got a chance to uh, put Ironheart on screen for the first time because I love Ryan Coogler. Um, but at the same time, it feels like, hey, we're introducing another black character into Disney Plus soon. Let's put her in the black movie. Like, it kind of feels like that to me a little bit, which, like, honestly, mm. probably a good marketing decision. It's probably like people are going to see this and they're going to go, oh, shit. I've never watched an Iron, a Disney Plus show, but I will I will get Disney Plus for Ironheart because Riri, she supported Wakanda, you know? But, like, it feels a little... it, And I don't even mind any of that. That's all kind of smart marketing. But what I do mind is that she feels shoved into me already. And then that sort of transparent marketing ploy makes me feel like it was Disney marketing versus a, a organic story decision. Yeah. That's yeah. what it makes me feel like. Well, like, if it had been, like, a Reed Richards that developed the way to discover, or to, to detect vibranium, like, in-universe, that would make sense, because Reed Richards is, like, the smartest man in the world, or whatever, and, of course, he could do that, and that would probably go uh, pretty far into, or pretty far toward him making uh, the technology to detect Skrulls, um, who are... You know, shape shifted into into uh, into human people side orals or whatever, mm -hmm. um, which you know is a thing that uh, that he had done in the comics. But if you put Reed Richards into this sort of movie, it becomes a Reed Richards solves every problem movie. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It was not supposed to be a uh, an outsider's. You know solving Wakanda's problems kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I, I mean, it could have just been a bland scientist we never even heard of. You know what I mean? It, it could have been a scientist that died off screen. Like, it, it could have been anything. The, the, the Tolokans killed and then came after Wakanda or whatever. They did it very specifically that way. And it feels like they did the entire... The whole, like, MacGuffin of the plot was designed to get Riri in there. Which, again, it was a smart way to do it. And I will say this as a positive for her. She provides a balance to the movie that... See, here's, here's where I'm like of two minds. She provides a balance because she's fun and quippy and like brash and, and not grieving. Yeah. She provides a balance to the movie that allows it to be fun in moments that really no one else can do. Like she's got the levity. A lot of this movie is like being lifted up and held up by Riri, like not making you feel like you're completely depressed the whole time because Riri's keeping it light. But, you know, the same thing could be said for the moments that we... Like, if we had gotten, like, a buddy cop kind of thing with... Oh, my God. I want this movie now. If we'd gotten, like, a right. buddy cop, Okoye, and Shuri, like, the two of them interacting was so just raucously funny. Yeah. I agree if, completely. Um, I think they could have done that. But it almost felt like them moving away from Wakanda and getting out of the situation they were in and then coming to this, uh, you know, this college was what allowed them to like, it, it felt like a divergence from the overall story, which I think part of me really is glad is there. Part of me is like, it needed that levity. And part of me is like, no, put me through it. Like, put me through the grief movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> Drag me through the coals. Yeah. I get why Marvel's not going to exactly be like, <laughs> let's make this a full-on grief movie alone. Like, it's a grief movie with some action scenes. No, they wanted some lightness. They found that lightness in Riri. And I think in many ways it works. 
but part of me feels like it's it's synthetically injecting it with lightness instead of like um finding a way to bring lightness without her i guess or like while while focusing on the shuri and namor story sorry i don't know how you were saying it the other day i'm just copying you i don't know how he says it in the movie (laughs) i'm gonna say (laughs) namor 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 What's funny is that like he said Namor and then people later who have not like seen his name on paper or anything and like heard him say I, g- I got my name from this guy saying child without love later they they called him Namor and it's the same like it's that same lack of of continuity, continuity. as far as like name continuity or pronunciation continuity who calls him namor though uh shuri does a few times okay i could see like maybe she's not saying it with the accent or something you know just she's saying it how she sees it or how she remembers it i don't know just like i have a hard time saying namor <laughs> yeah because we've been saying namor for forever that's true. <laughs> yeah, if someone told me their name was Namor in life, I probably wouldn't immediately start calling them Namor. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, it's, you see the same kind of lack of, of name continuity in DC with Ra's al Ghul versus Ra's al Ghul. Mm-hmm. For sure. And it, it, that, like, irks the hell out of me in the Arrow series. They're like, the guy introduces himself, Ra's al Ghul. He's introduced from, you know, his people call him Ra's al Ghul. Mm-hmm. And then... Immediately, Oliver Queen's like, yeah, Ra's al Ghul. Like, what? <laughs> Not a very smart one, that Oliver Queen. <laughs> He's a real dumb guy. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Next up, we got Chris Metzlov, another patron. Says, what happened to the Telecon people wh- that were snapped? Did they turn to dust or did they turn to bubbles? <laughs> 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 you got me good, Chris. <laughs> yeah, oh, I like that's it. funny. I like it. Good job, Chris. <laughs> just dirty water in an area. I, I just no. I normally respond to people and be like, "Hey, I'm adding your feedback to the you know, like whatever. Let's say say a little thing like that." I just wrote him bubbles 100. <laughs> <laughs> percent Oh God, that's funny. Okay, yep, um, good stuff. Chris continues, absolutely loved BPWF, uh, or BPWF. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. Come on, Matt. BPWF. BPWF. Or BPWF, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) We call it BPWF, actually. Yeah, we call it BPWF around here. Uh, Sorry. Absolutely loved BPWF. Such a fantastic movie-going experience. The acting by Angela Bassett, Letitia Wright, and Denai Guerrero. I mean, goddamn, what can be said that hasn't been already? Give them all the Oscars. Mm-hmm. I knew it was going to be hard, hard at times, but what a beautiful tribute to both Chadwick Boseman and the character T'Challa. Grief has been such a prominent theme of Phase 4, and Marvel has been masterful in humanizing these beloved characters and the emotional struggles that they have faced. I'm really glad I stopped watching trailers and promos a few weeks ago. Full body chills when she landed with the new suit and arm wrestles M'Baku. Wakanda forever! Cheers, Chris. Oh, also, 
Ashley, you're the best. I'm with you and everyone else in your corner. Never doubt that and never change. F*** that internet troll loser. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> I, I, I don't like talking too much about that kind of stuff on the podcast because I hate giving people attention. But yeah, Ashley has some internet loser, pure loser, um, telling his, like, I don't know, she, she says people harassing her on Instagram and... Uh, Twitter or whatever this week trying to try. I don't know from some old episode. It's, it's nuts. It's nuts. People just trying to stir up shit for <laughs> yeah. no reason other than to stir up shit. Yeah. It's that bad faith argument. Uh, a lot of that, but we're not going to give it time. We're not going to give it no, the time of day. We're, we're not, not. going to give it air time. That's exactly it. Bad faith argument. That's exactly what it is. Show her some love. I actually just thank you for everybody who already did on the Strain of Panda chat. We we posted it in the uh, in the Strain of Panda chat what this guy was saying, and uh, everyone came out in support. And it's great to hear. Great to hear that. It was almost like I uh, like we doxed him in Strain of Panda chat <laughs> so that people could go, you know be aggressive at him to be clear we didn't actually dox him he had some fake account like it's not like we gave some guys information to everybody i like that though the 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 theme of grief in in phase four like think back phase four started at the beginning of last year mm-hmm. beginning WandaVision. of last year with wandavision and we have had so freaking much content since then mm-hmm. and so much of the past two years has been some character you know a, a series of characters dealing with grief over something like yeah. wanda dealing with losing vision and then immediately having to deal with having lost her kids as well yeah even though they were fake not real kids <laughs> <laughs> real to her, real to her. And then yeah, Loki even dealing with the idea of his own death and his own power, like the way that he is not, I mean, he literally has to watch himself and his mother die on screen. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. a lot of his emotional journey, at least for the first half of that thing. Yeah. Well, he's dealing with the grief of like having lost his entire self and life. Yeah. Literally, his universe was pruned. Yeah, like quite literally everything about himself uh, he has lost and mm-hmm. is now, you know, in the TVA. And yeah. like, and then he has, he, he now has to deal with uh, the multiple timelines and, and Kang. And there's a lot more grief to be had. There's a, there's a lot more loss for him to experience, I guess. Yeah, um, absolutely. But, like there, there's that. There's Hawkeye uh, last year of dealing with the grief over Nat. Yeah, and, that's true. Um, you know, every, uh, what Falcon and the Winter Soldier had Bucky and Sam dealing with losing Steve. Uh, Love and Thunder. Love and with Thunder. Cancer and death, and yeah, it's a, it, it's a pretty grief filled phase four. For sure. And I mean, if you want to go whack back, we just talked about at the beginning of this episode, the uh, the end of phase five, which you could almost say is the beginning of phase four, which is this uh, Spider-Man. Um, oh, wait, that's still, that's way back. That's in a, uh, that's an end game after end game. Yeah. But still like we've joked about it. Phase three or beginning of right. end of phase that's three, beginning of phase four. It was like an epilogue for phase. Yeah. We, we, they did the same thing with phase two and ant-man where they put one more movie after the yeah after the yeah. avengers movie but really if you think about it like 
I would rather draw that line at Endgame, and then his, his grief movie fits much more, uh, I don't know, smoothly into this theme of Phase 4. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, but uh, but I, I'm totally with Chris on all this stuff. Uh, real, just the acting, man. Ugh, the acting, so good. He says it, but Angela Bassett, Letitia Wright, and Denai Guerrero are just freaking amazing in it. Like, really, really expressing those... Uh, those grief feelings. Yeah. yeah. They got me. The absolute just majesty that Angela Bassett brings to screen mm-hmm. during all of her time. Like, Absolutely. just on the UN floor, in in the throne room, like, every bit of it is just, oh, so strong, so powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, next up, Sorcerer Ryan says, Dear Panda Podcasters, I just came back from watching Black Panther, and what a movie! I think they handled it pretty well, given the, given the cards they were dealt. I loved how we got to explore Talukan and learn about Namor's people, rather than just make him a kill-them-all villain. Uh, a mustache twirler, as Matt calls them. Mm-hmm. Once again, Marvel has created another great villain with so much depth. Of course, Shuri would be the Black Panther, but besides seeing her all geared up, uh, I love seeing her relationship with M'Baku and that brother-sister relationship. T'Challa's son? What a way to end the movie! And of course, R.I.P. Queen Ramonda. Uh, thank you for reading this long email. I hope you enjoyed the movie. Sorcerer Ryan. Ryan, that was maybe the shortest email we got this week. Good job. Uh, <laughs> long <laughs> so, email, quote-unquote. <laughs> long email. Um, so, in the comics, he does not have a son named T'Challa, Right. Or does he have a son named T'Challa? Because I'm, I'm getting the feeling that they might be setting this up, as you said, to be like maybe the one that ends up with Aurora Monroe or any of those things. Like this might be sort of the comic book T'Challa that we end up getting from this. I don't know. Maybe. Let's see. Such a such a crazy thing to have lost Chadwick Boseman like that. Like it's just such a wild. Uh, so 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 incredibly tragic and sad, but also just wild from like a movie production idea. And what is what is Marvel going to do? You know, I was not familiar with a uh, 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 offspring of mm-hmm. T'Challa um, in comics. Uh, apparently, Azari was one that. Uh, has been in comics, but doesn't look to be part of the main verse. Um, right. Looks yeah. to be in offshoot universes. But he was the son of T'Challa and Storm in some version of Marvel Comics. Yeah. yeah so, was... but, but the answer is, there's not a T'Challa that leads to another T'Challa. So, this is, this does seem like a retcon. Uh, not a retcon. It's a, it's a, whatever. It's a difference in this universe. But it does see, it feels like them giving themselves another chance to tell the T'Challa story one day, I guess is the way I'm seeing it. Yeah. So, yeah, but it'll be it'll be weird because it'll be a different T'Challa story about a different version of T'Challa. But you know, it it, it it's also very I, like I've been saying all along. Like I, I was very interested in how they do this, and then they did it so classily with the way they handled his death off screen. He died of a disease. That's all we know, and it led it led to all the character things we needed, and it led it led us all to go through the grief with Shuri, and like it was so well done. But now getting back to like the how are they going to handle this crazy thing that happened, and they've got all this T'Challa story to draw from in the comics. Yep. Now they have another T'Challa, and the thing is like, 
You don't recast T'Challa. Not right now. But as I always say with these big character deaths, when like the actors die and people are like, do not recast, you know, it's like, yeah, but one day they're gonna. Like 20 years from now, we're gonna get another whatever. You know, nobody yeah. wanted them to recast the Joker, but 10 years later, we got another Joker. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. gonna happen one day. But this is so clever because it can keep it inverse, tell more T'Challa stories, and give us a built in buffer time. Like, we know he exists. 20 years from now, 15 years from now, whenever it's time they start telling the stories. You know what I mean? It's, it's yep. really clever uh, and not obtrusive to a grieving period. Yeah. And in many ways, a way of honoring the character even more by giving him this legacy. Yeah. There's kind of a, a built-in torch handing opportunity uh, to Absolutely. kind of ease that process where Shuri can, oh man, Shuri can be with this kid teaching him you know everything about what it is to be a black panther and yeah tell all the stories about like oh you know this thing that your dad did when when he was younger when we were growing up you know and and give a little bit of that that silly t'challa backstory from the t'challa's past but then also kind of you know be a mentor to that yeah that younger one train him up and then you know, pass on and at least let us hear about some of the stories that, you know, the T'Challa that died, you know, could have gone through, so to speak. You know, something I really love about this movie, and I hadn't really thought about it until this moment, but, you know, the the trope of the Mary Sue. <laughs> and sometimes that's just, that's just placed on people because they... Uh, Mary Sue is like the character that has, I see you Googling. <laughs> no, not me. <laughs> I was looking something else up. I was like, you know that trope of the Mary Sue? The Mary Sue is basically, uh, people accuse Rey uh, uh, from Star Wars of being a Mary Sue because sure. she's perfect. She always yeah. does everything perfectly and she always makes the right decisions. You know what I mean? Yep. One thing I really, and, and, Directors and writers tend to give moral complexity to the male characters. And yeah. one thing I love about this movie is Sh Shuri is so morally complex. She Shuri has anger issues. She has real anger issues. And I sit here and think like, she's our Luke Skywalker in this moment. Not as boring, but she's the one that's like <laughs> bouncing between the dark... Sorry, I had to get my Star Wars jabs in somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, if I'm going to use this many Star Wars references. <laughs> as a DC jabber, I understand what you had to do there. <laughs> yeah, totally. But so often, those moral complexities like really giving a character the path where you're like i don't know if he's gonna end up being a good guy you know what i mean that's yeah. almost always the dude and it's just yeah. like giving us the chance to deal with the internal struggles of a character is so often just the dude especially in these type of big movies and it, it part of it is i think a misguided attempt at not it's sort of a misguided feminism 
where they're like, well, we don't want to make the girl the bad guy. We're trying to support women. You know what I mean? Like, but it, but by yeah. doing that, it's it's a <laughs> it's like it's like that term, the soft bigotry of low expectations. It's sort of the soft bigotry of high expectations for women characters. Like, <laughs> like no, you can't give a female character a negative trait. Like, it really is like a thing, and that's I think where the Mary Sue comes from. And it's sort of why, like, it spirals into all this hate. Um, but I love that they gave her all this moral complexity. Not to yeah. say there's no other morally complex characters. There's lots of them. But, I like, her... I don't know if I've seen it so starkly drawn for a female character ever. I think this might be the first female character where I'm watching them and going, like, good or bad? Like, I could see it either way at this point. Like, I, I knew yeah. because she's the protagonist she's going to end up choosing something right but like in we talked about it the very end when she blows up that thing and says wakanda forever and blows up the ship we were like she just killed Namor. like she just went for it she did the thing <laughs> yep. she got her revenge and then he survived and then she brought him to the water and like okay all right like she but she went really close to the line to the point that i believed even in the last scene that she could take her revenge you know yeah I thought that she was she was going to exact that revenge and also take herself out with it, like to oh, say, man. you know, I'll give everything for it, and right. you know, everybody back home can you know oh. just pull my research up on how to print a new, you know, a new heart shaped herb. What a terrible ending that would be! It would be beautiful in some ways because it's like she knew she had this darkness in her and she was just like, I'm not, I shouldn't be queen and black Panther yeah. anyway. I'm just going, I'm just going to lose myself to this rage and let myself go with him. But like, it would have been so terrible to lose the entire Royal family. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what then are, that's when ugh. Nakia show. Oh God, that would feel so shoehorned in to be like Nakia shows up and like here's the new T'Challa. <laughs> See, we didn't lose the whole royal family. <laughs> You're right. That's yeah. a, you you wrote the I know you used to do I, I just wrote the worst ending. Yeah, you used to do Monday morning movie medics where you tried to rewrite things to be better. You just yeah. made the worst version of this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Monday morning movie murderers. Yeah. <laughs> We killed it. We killed it. Maybe maybe that's the new podcast. Instead of trying to make it a good movie, just try to go like worse. Like see, yeah. it can be worse. Yep, yep. You guys should be thankful we didn't write this one. Yeah, just be thankful it's not this bad. <laughs> Remember, it could be worse. <laughs> That's the tagline to end the episodes. Yep. <laughs> That'd be funny if y'all if y'all had continued with Monday Morning Movie Medics, you know, in an alternate universe where there's already like 50 episodes of that show. Uh, if y'all were like on Halloween or something, uh, you did like a Monday Morning Movie Murderers. <laughs> you did like a opposite day challenge. Yeah, opposite month or something. Yeah, uh, Gary and I have been talking about kicking that back up. Oh um, yeah. And, and kind of taking that over. I just, I don't have time to edit that amount of podcast. Yeah. I know he was wanting to learn to edit, so... Um, I think he did he, he some he did some editing at one point and was like, man, that sucked. That yep. sucked a lot. It does. It does suck. I do it yep. with a lot of hours of my week. <laughs> <laughs> so bad unwritten movies or movie endings aside, <laughs> it's still nice to... 
to have seen uh, Shuri have that emotional complexity, that that yeah, uh, that depth of character, mm-hmm. and you know, be able to recognize in herself that like I have too much anger and rage, and I don't want to be leader, ruler, whatever. <laughs> like, give it to. Give it to Mbaku, let him handle it. He can be king. <laughs> like, let him do the thing. I'll just be Panther. And, like, we need to separate these things because I'm right. not good for that, but I'm good for this. Like, absolutely. I-, I love that she got to make that decision. Yeah, for sure. I really do too. I really do too. And I, lo- I just love that, like, you see her internal monologue and it's Killmonger. Like, that is so, such a cool choice. Such a cool choice. And we got Michael B. Jordan back because of it. Of course, yeah. Like, getting another scene with uh, Killmonger is great. So good. Um, And uh, let me just throw a little caveat there. Uh, I understand that the idea of the Mary Sue is very complex, and there are various sides of that issue, and some of them, some people call things mary sues that aren't i'm not even claiming any particular thing is i'm just saying it's a complex issue because some people say that because they just want to hate women characters so they just say they're mary sues right but the idea of of a mary sue i think actually comes from a different place but yeah anyway well i don't know where it comes from but i think it sometimes it happens all that to say that was not in here and we're glad that it wasn't yes we're glad that exactly. it was very far from it no version no version of the of the mary sue trope was existing here yeah. Uh, let's see. Last one we got here for Black Panther feedback. We got Madison Eberhardt. Says, hi, everyone. There were so many things I loved about this movie. One thing I noticed was the detail of Rihanna's vocals from Lift Me Up, the song that played during the stylized credits, sprinkled throughout the movie. When mm. Shuri and Ramonda first burned Ramonda's funeral outfit, when Shuri and Ramonda were reunited, and in the end, when Shuri finally burned her outfit which led into the credits, I may have missed some. The symbol of family and grieving this had really stuck out to me. Uh, learning that Val is a leader in the CIA makes me think we'll see Sharon and her working together in the future, mm. both possibly with hidden agendas. I could write lengthy praise about every character, but I won't because I'm at work right now. I look forward to hearing <laughs> you guys talk every week. Keep it up. <laughs> oh, thanks, Madison. Appreciate you. Uh, that's a great point. You know, we often we have often talked about who was on the other side of that call that Sharon made. Um, at the yes. end, I can Ooh. absolutely see that being Val. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Using her old yeah. CIA connections to sell, you know, super soldier stuff to somebody. Mm-hmm. That feels like Val was on the other side of that conversation. Definitely feels like Val on the other side of that. Yeah, that's a great call, Madison, about the idea that they might be related in some way. And the fact that, that Val showed up in Falcon and the Winter Soldier for the first time, where we saw Sharon Carter being the power broker. That's right. That's right. Yeah, Ooh. 100%. It feels like, yeah, it feels like that might have been a known thing at that point. Mmm, I like it. I like it. I like that a lot. It's a great connection. Got that deep continuity. And uh, good good catch, Madison, with those vocal effects. I had not heard that Rihanna song, so I don't know if I would have even recognized it until, you know, the end of the movie when I heard their full song or whatever. Um, yeah. But that's a really cool connection to draw the way they were dealing with the family's grief by it's instead of using a melody let's say like they often do like the avengers melody or the you know 
whatever. <laughs> ba 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 ba. <laughs> ba ba ba. Yeah, that was very well known. Yeah, they have various melodies that they use for different characters. It's a common thing, but instead of using an element in the soundtrack, it's kind of interesting. I, d- I dig that. Oh man, and have you read the lyrics for that song? No. For that Rihanna song? Uh Burning in a hopeless dream, hold me when you go to sleep, keep me in the warmth of your love when you depart, keep me safe, safe and sound. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I figured it would be poignant in the way that this movie was poignant, and it would be about the passing and grief, and man, ugh, you know what line kills me in this movie, and I don't, it feels... It hurts me, and it feels almost rude to put this line in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it hurts you in what way? Show me on the line where it hurt you. Show me on the movie where it hurt you. Um, I... (sighs) When Shuri is talking to Nakia in Haiti at the end, and she says, did he prepare you for this? His passing. It hurt me because, as far as I know, Chadwick Boseman didn't tell anyone about his cancer, basically, until he passed. And it almost felt like a moment of the writer, or Ryan Coogler, or the the characters themselves being like, it's really hard to lose someone when you're not prepared to lose someone. Like, when you have no idea it's coming. It's, like, extra hard. And, uh, (laughs) I'm getting emotional, but, like... That line hits me because, like, I think it's a moment of, like, grief in the way that grief is. Have you ever, have you ever heard of the book A Grief Observed? This is a very, no. this is a very deep cut thing, but uh, there's a C.S. Lewis book. You know, C.S. Lewis is, like, a Christian author. Um, and he wrote all these Christian books about Christian apologetics. He also wrote the uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Um, so, he's, like, a Christian author. But his wife died, and he wrote an entire book. Well, he didn't write a book. He took his journal from the time when his wife died and, like, put it in there, just, like, put it out, and it is brutal. It's this Christian author who, like, has spent his whole life convincing people of the truth of the Bible and God and, you know, like, all this stuff, and it's literally him being, like... God doesn't exist. Like, this is, like, if this is true, how can I, how can this, like, it is such a, like, it's just this brutal thing of him, like, writing his journal. And then he took selections from his journal and put it out as a book called A Grief Observed. And, like, that line in the movie kind of felt that way to me. Them asking, like, did he prepare you for this? Because, like, being prepared matters in a way. And, like, it, it, it felt, like, almost not as a, not treating the grief with kid gloves, which is what I, you know, so often uh, I think we do. We, we we try to, especially like not question the person who passed. And I don't know that that's what they were doing there. Um, but that line hit me hard when he, when she yeah. said it. Well, like in cinema, when, you know, we're in a sequel or something like that. And like, you know, previous character, main character, main character's father, main character, rather, main character's parent, or, you know, loved one or something like that, somebody has, has passed, there's often that whole, like, 
no, they're still with you in your heart. And like, that's the line that's like, that's enough for everybody to be like, oh yeah, cool. I'm over it. And then they're, they're done and can move on. But it feels like, it feels like that's always just super fake and like, yeah, yeah, cool. They died. We, you know, grief isn't something that we're trying to deal with in this, in this piece of cinema. But then like when we're in the movie where everyone is dealing with grief, but also having to deal with the rest of their lives, like life doesn't stop just because you lost someone and Mm -hmm. you know, you have to, you have to somehow figure out how to keep on going with everything that you're doing and with everything that's happening around you. Yeah. And also deal with the grief and, you know, getting, like you said, being prepared for it and having, having a bit more time knowing that it's coming is something that makes it easier. But for so many of us, we you know, it no was, idea, yeah. it was absolutely, absolutely abrupt. And I know that you dealt with, uh, very recently, some very abrupt loss. Yeah, um, for sure. In, in much that same way. And it, I, you know, I, I can't necessarily speak to that with any amount of truth, but, um, I, I see you. I see your pain. I acknowledge. <laughs> well, thanks. That uh, that it exists. <laughs> it's a yeah. I yeah. Grief is a grief is a crazy thing, and and I don't even think it's necessarily always about. Um, you can grieve a lot of things. You can grieve parts of your life. You can grieve, you know, relationships. You can grieve people, of course. Um, and so I think we all deal. Um, with we all deal with grief. It's just you can you can grieve losing a job, you know, uh, and it's just this thing of like I've lost this thing I really cared about that really mattered to me. Um, and uh, grief is tough. Grief is just tough. I think like the thing that happens with grief, and this is my only bit of wisdom that I gained losing my sister and my dad um, so close together, was that it. It gets better sounds uh, trite. Yeah. And it doesn't really get better. Like it always feels just as bad when you, when you, when you have that wave of grief, but what does happen is those waves of grief come less often. And I mean, I I think that uh, 30 years from now, I'll probably still have tears about my sister and my dad, you know, but when it first happened, it was every day, and then it's every week, and then it's every—you know what I mean? Like they be, they be, they space out. You start to be able to live your life again, and no matter what you're grieving, like I think seeing like it's it's dismissive to say you're grieving. Yo, you'll you'll get over it. Like that's dismissive, and you won't get over it. It's always going to be there. It's always going to be something you can turn to in this pain, this loss. But like, uh, it in my experience, it becomes less common it's not it's it's just something that you go through waves of and they get worse and better and hopefully the better days are more common than the bad days over time and uh yeah anyway thanks for <laughs> listening to a podcast about marvel everybody <laughs> yeah right <laughs> a marvel <laughs> grief observed uh yeah Oof. I think my my headstone is just going to read until next time, true believers. <laughs> I like it. I like that plan.
Uh, all right, everybody. Thanks for thanks for joining us, and uh, to steal Jeff's thunder. Until next time, true believers. Bye. <laughs> I like the running that you did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to pretend to run away from you, like you were gonna somehow hurt me through the internet. Yeah, I was going to stealing attack. the thunder. Like, how dare you? <laughs> Thank you for joining us for the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. Available everywhere you get podcasts, and now a video version streaming live on twitch.tv slash strandedpandatv and available at youtube.com slash strandedpanda. And if you'd like to learn more about all of our other podcasts, geeky projects, and ways to support the network, visit strandedpanda.com.